Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about your artist website. Are artist websites still important? With Facebook artist pages, Instagram, and various online gallery options, it's possible to argue against the need for a website. Or more likely, it's easy to neglect the one you started five years ago and have only updated a few times. Most of us probably do agree they're important, but many lack the time and motivation to keep them in shape. In today's episode, we'll make the case for maintaining a reasonably up-to-date website and offer ideas on how to do that. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is certainly a topic that makes most artists squirm and feel uneasy and immediately, you know, your mind goes to, uh, oh, when was the last time I updated? And it's funny that um, when I was talking to Dan Addington at, at the gallery in Chicago, he said there's so many times artists will say to him, uh, they're t- talking about their work to him, and they'll say, "But don't look at my website; it's right. way out of date." <laughs> and and it's funny because you do a lot of these interviews, and I end up linking to people's websites. And I'm not going to call, call out anybody in particular, but many artists have have very out out of date websites. They kind of look like they were designed in Geo Cities in the <laughs> '90s or something. Well, and the work itself, you know, isn't representative anymore right. of what it's you do. Right, it's from five or ten years ago. and Yeah, so we, when everyone, when anyone says those words, artist website, we immediately think about our own and and we know what's wrong with it, right? Um, and it's outdated, the work is old, the resume is not up to date, uh, news, publications, things like that aren't up to date. And oftentimes the design just isn't very fresh. It doesn't look like a, a contemporary website. True enough, yeah. And it even just everything that you say about yourself on your website may not be projecting the kind of image that you currently have or you want to project. It may be you three or four years ago, and, you know, we all change quite a bit. So, um, I, you know, I know it's an important topic, and we're going to try to ease your mind a little bit or give you some ideas about how to how to approach this whole thing. Um, I look at a lot of artist websites, too, especially when I'm teaching, and I'll you know, sit down with a student and say, well, let's let's see what you do and let's look at your website. And so I've been able to kind of pinpoint some things that I, I feel are um, are problematic. And so um, I'll be talking about kind of the don'ts <laughs> from, from my own experience of what I see. Can um, we start off by just talking about why websites are important? Sure. Um yeah, it it really websites really are the remain they remain the only place where we as artists can bring everything together, right? We can have our statement, we can have our contact info, our galleries. Um we can have of course pictures of our work, um our resume, our news, um everything is in one place. And there really isn't any other platform that does that. Right, right. And <clears throat> And it's it's also if if somebody hears your name, uh, you know, they're probably going to type your name into Google and it's going to be one of the top search results is going to be your website. So it's it's a it's an introduction to people who don't know you. Right. It's it's the go to thing for people who are interested, galleries, curators, anyone. And it presents the most complete picture. Somebody can look at your Instagram and they'll see your visuals. And that's really good because it is just 
pretty much just your visuals with a very short statement, but it doesn't tell anybody anything about your background or where you live, or I guess you can put that in your bio, but you only get a certain number of words on Instagram and it's very short. <laughs> right. So anyway, I, I'm still a big believer in websites and every gallery person that I've talked to thinks they're super important. Yeah, social media can be very powerful. And that's that's a whole nother topic, I think, that we need to talk about maybe in a different episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and it's it's a whole other thing to to try to get into. It's a it's a different skill set entirely. And I, I'd be the first to admit that my social media game is pretty weak. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be the first to admit that until recently, my website was not ideal. And I just had it redone. And I'm really happy with it. But like so many people, when I had it done, um, designed a few years ago, it just had a different focus. And over time, my focus on my work has changed. And I used to talk a lot about the places, uh, the places I'd been that had influenced my work. And that's not really where I'm at so much anymore. And, uh, Back when it was, even before I changed it from that first stage, somebody said to me, oh, I could almost mistake this for a, um, like a, a travel agency website or something. I thought, ouch, <laughs> because I had pictures of all the places I'd been and everything. And I thought, no, uh, time to move on. So I just had it redone. It's very clean and straightforward now. And I'll talk more about some of the decisions that went into that. Right. And that's one of the biggest factors in, in, a, in a website being a quality website is uh, the information that we call above the fold, which is the the image that pops up at the website before you do any scrolling or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody, when they're looking at that above the fold load on the screen, mm-hmm. they need to be able to see who you are, what you do. Yep. And, and there needs to be also some kind of how you know contact button or um you know you could put a button that says galleries or something like that people need some way to way to engage with it exactly so so they need to be able to know where to go to buy the work Mm -hmm. and to find more about you yes um so you know and in talking to people about their websites you know you hear you hear a lot of reasons why they're not up to date um and I think there's there's kind of two approaches to the whole thing that each have their kind of pitfalls and one of them is you know you can um you can do it yourself and you can design your own website and keep it up to date which has obvious advantages because it can be very quick and uh, in the moment and you um, also you're not relying on anybody else to to do things for you right um, it's 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 much uh, it's it's always good to have kind of an in depth understanding of the process, even if you're handing it over to somebody else to do the nuts and bolts on it. Mm-hmm. But you know the biggest thing about that is people say they don't have time or they right. or they hate it. And the first time, very early on, when I had my first website, I was able to update it. I had to put in HTML code for everything. Right. <laughs> well, it was very cumbersome, and no wonder I hated it. Well, and the good news is that things are so much easier now. So much easier. Uh, but I I totally remember that feeling of dread. I didn't like it. It was difficult. And I know that stays true for some people now. They're just not computer people. People, they don't want to spend the time at it. And so then the other option, obviously, is is having someone do it for you. Um, and this also, you know, obviously, it's, it's easier in a lot of ways. If you have a person who's responsive and works with you well, but 
you know, it, it can also be difficult. It can be expensive. Um, and it can take time because if you're working with somebody that has a lot of business, you may have to wait your turn to get even a small change made. And so I, I think, uh, both of these things, you know, have their kind of downsides, right. but whichever one feels more right to you or seems more doable, and it may just be a, an economic matter that you're going to do it yourself, um, in either case, you know, we'll give some tips or whatever about right. that. Right, and, and I, I would mention that the, another uh, advantage of go, having somebody design a website for you is that a professional is going to have some understanding of design and flow and um, the same understanding that you probably have uh, as an artist of how to design a really nice painting, mm-hmm. um, you know, a professional web designer is going to have that same understanding of how to design a website that really feels good when you go there and it, it functions so, intuitively. That is so true. And they, they know things and they'll suggest things. And um, yeah, the person I work with, I, I just think he's fabulous and he, he really, um, pointed me in the right direction a number of times I would kind of say well I'd like people to be able to see a pretty large image of the painting right away and not have to click on a thumbnail so okay you know we'll do it this way then and and he knew what to do so I think that uh, a really important thing um, is uh, is understanding a little bit of just kind of marketing, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to do the design yourself. And one of the biggest factors in in good marketing, which is what your 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 website is, it's a marketing tool, is understanding who your audience is. Right, right. So that that is a really good place to start. And oftentimes, if you're working with somebody, they'll. They'll ask you that right away. Are you um, are you trying to sell your work directly? And that's that's the biggest category. Are you using the site as a direct sale? So you're going to have prices and everything on there. Or for most artists, is it a portfolio site that um, is meant to funnel people who are interested in buying to your galleries or maybe to some other website where you have work for sale? But but the website itself is not necessarily a sales site. So that's that's a personal decision. Um, if you work with a lot of galleries, then your decision is made for you because you're selling through them. <laughs> uh, but if you're if you are marketing your own work, then you you do need to think about how that's how that's going to be. And it doesn't mean that you have to put prices on there. But as I said, you can have links and things to say Saatchi or Artwork Archive or some other site where you have the work for sale with the prices and so on. I think it's also important to, when we're thinking about who our audience is, not just think about like, why are they coming here? They're coming here to buy or are they just coming here for information? Um, it's actually a very useful tool uh, to think, to, to describe a profile for, for who it is your audience mm. is. Um, and if you've done enough gallery openings and things like that, you probably have some idea True. of who are the people who are buying your work. True. And it's, it, it can be very useful to, uh, describe the age, the gender, the occupation, um, just kind of put together a character in your mind of who this person is that you're building this website for mm-hmm. um, and how they're going to look at it and try to look at the website through their eyes. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you'd rule everyone else out, but no, it's it's just a focal point for you as you're thinking about right. it. Yeah. Right. Um, so once you get to that point where you say, who who do I want? looking at this and what do I want them to take away from it, whether it's um, direct sale or just information so they can follow up somewhere else. 
Um, and then also you've decided you're going to do it yourself or you're not going to do it yourself. And those are, those are important first steps. And then, then comes a lot of pretty big, big decisions. Um, and I guess, again, having seen a lot of artists' websites, I would like to start out by pointing out some of the, some of the things that really don't work very well. <laughs> and that, you know, if I'm looking at someone's website with them, especially a student or anybody wants me to look at it, and by the way, it's really good to get another pair of eyes on it, um, or more than one pair of eyes, so that you get people's impressions of what they're looking at. Um, so some of the biggest issues that I notice, the way that the work itself is presented and categorized is huge. I mean, as you said, you want something on your homepage that shows your work. And if you if your work has a lot of detail, texture, uh, fine lines, anything. This couldn't be. A, this can be a detail, um, and that's what I have on my website. Actually, is a close up of some texture, and as soon as somebody enters the website, they see the entire works once they click on paintings. But um, that initial thing is to me for my work is more eye catching. I think if it's a close up. And so consider that option. Once um, you get into looking at the different types of work that you do, this is where, you know, a lot of times people put way too many things on their website. And you have to step back a little bit and think, uh, less is more, kind of, and how many from a particular series of or, or of a particular type of work is going to make sense? How much can people take in? And I've looked at a lot of websites where it becomes almost mind-numbing because you're looking at, you know, uh, 50 paintings that have similar formats and colors, and you really just sort of tune out. Yeah, you, you really need to simplify things as much as possible, um, even in like menu options. You know, mm -hmm. on, on your homepage, I've seen a lot of websites that have 20 things that you can click on in the menu. Mm -hmm. uh, your menu should be like three or four things. Right, and you can, you can subcategorize within those. Right. Like if you had about the artist, you could have a page for your statement and a page for your resume, whatever. As far as the paintings or whatever your art form is, you know, it should be its own button, I think. Right. You're looking at basically, you want like a home button, you want the, um, you want like paintings and you want an about the artist mm -hmm. section um, and maybe like a contact. contact. Yeah. And that's yeah. really about it. Uh, oh. Within those other categories, you can add submenu options and stuff like that, but you do not want to overwhelm people with options mm -hmm. on that homepage. And, you know, I want to put in a thought about, because a lot of artists, instead of saying paintings or sculptures or whatever they do, they say, a gal they say gallery, they use the word gallery. Well, in the artist's mind doing it, this is the work that comprises a body of work, I suppose. Right. But... <laughs> Someone who's looking at the website is thinking this is going to take me to a exactly. gallery page. And I think it's really confusing. It's really common. Portfolio works okay. But what I think is really the best is to uh, divide your work into categories that are conceptual. So they can be an actual series that you call a series, or they can just be categorization of certain types of work um, in terms of you know what it looks like, basically. And... And within those categories, maybe 
10 paintings. Um, and I, I like to think of it as sort of like you are curating these little shows, like little exhibits. So you click on one title or name and you go into the page and it's as if you're looking at an interesting exhibit with that theme. And if it's an actual exhibit that you had, that's perfect. And you can call the page the name of your exhibit and you can put in a selection or um, however many if you had 20 paintings in the show, I don't think you'd put all 20 in, but maybe up to 12 or something like that. Right. And these these are decisions that actually make your life easier. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the, the struggles with maintaining a website is just uploading a big pile of images. Right. And people and, feel an obligation to put everything they do onto their website. Yeah. And, and I remember the moment when I realized that wasn't true. And right. And it was very liberating. <laughs> no, you, you just a few select works. Exactly. Um, it's, it's, it's like your resume. You don't put everything you've done since high school mm -hmm. on your resume. You put on the most important positions in the most recent. Right. So curate, curate, curate when what you're putting on there. Group it according to similarity of theme or appearance or media. Um, and also, again, you don't have to even put all the different types of things you do. And this can become confusing when people have a lot of different media that they work in. And they're happy about it and they want to show it or a lot of different subjects they work with. I still think it's a good idea to pare that down. Uh, if anybody is interested in your work in general, then, you know, they can find out more with your Instagram or your Facebook or something like that. But to, to not overwhelm people with, you know, you're not actually really uh, being that impressive when you have... 20 categories with, you know, 50 paintings in each one. It's, it's just too much. And so that's one of the biggest things. When I look at somebody's website, very often they have too much of one thing or they have old stuff and they just, like you said, they feel like they have to put everything on. So it, it goes back five, six, seven, eight years. Um, they also put on, many people have a, a whole page of things that they've sold. Well, I think that's an idea, a marketing idea that, look, I've sold these paintings. But again, I don't think that's all that useful, honestly. Um, if you sold something, it's kind of out of your life. I will make an exception. I say uh, important commissions and, and the place for those or um, if you have images of your work hanging in somebody's home, those are really nice to have. And you can have a page that just has your um, showing the installed work, how, it, right. looks, how or, it looks on the wall. Or if you've sold work to a building that's open to the public right. where people can actually go look at it, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's a hospital or, or a business or something like that, That's a uh, those are good paintings to, to put up there so that people can see where can I actually go see this in person. Good good point, yeah. And I think it also, in, in terms of marketing, to, for people to be able to see what the painting looks like in its environment where it's been purchased and hung is it's a good thing. There are also websites where you can like pick an interior, drop the painting into it and give people an idea of how it does look in a, in a particular kind of say modern setting or traditional setting or whatever it is. And I, I don't know if I have a strong opinion about those. I don't think they're as interesting as 
when it's actually in somebody's house, but it can give somebody an idea. Yeah, I don't want to offend anybody that has that feature on their website, but it seems a little bit gimmicky to me. It, a little bit, yeah. Um, it's it's something to consider. Is it is it really helping or not? Um, yeah, I think most people have some idea of the space where a painting is going to go, and they have some idea of what painting is going to fill that space and yeah, it's, b- bring out the features that they want. It's their personal environment, not something right. that's like a stock photo. Right. And so that's, that is really why I kind of question what is the value of those, because nobody's house looks exactly like the one in the photo. So. Right, exactly. Um, so the other thing I, I notice people doing, and I'm not sure what which website format it is that they're using, but... I mean, in terms of which platform, but there are certain websites where there's no space around the pictures at all. And they're just, you look at the, when you're looking at the, um, at the screen, it is, they're just absolutely butted up against each other. And again, it's overwhelming visually. It, you can't separate, especially if the work is somewhat similar. Uh, it's just, visual overload yeah just just like in your paintings uh the viewer requires negative space in order mm-hmm. to make sense of shape yeah so so fewer paintings spaced on the page so that there's space around them and they can really be seen that's really important and um there's another website platform that uh has everything in thumbnails and then you hover your mouse over and then you immediately get the dimensions and things. And I find that one confusing. I, if I hover my mouse by mistake, I, I lose the image, you know? So try to put yourself in the place of the person who's looking and, you know, how would you want to see the painting if you were looking at it? Yeah. And you also want to pay close attention to mobile functionality. Mm -hmm. Um, A a lot, like I'd say probably 90% of website views these days are on mobile devices on small screens. Yes. So you have to have some sense of how that's going to look on a, on a mobile device. Right. And I think most platforms that you use will tell you, you know, this is how you check it out, how it's going to look on a phone, et cetera. It's really important, yeah, because my old website, you could only see it like um, <laughs> tiny, tiny type, you know, and the new one is it's set up for mobile viewing. And, you know, I know you're right. A lot of people, that's how they're going to look at it. Uh, other situations that I, I see on websites that kind of make me cringe a little bit are there's just something not professional about it. And I'm going to take I'm going to talk from the standpoint of professionalism is is a good thing. If you really don't want that, then, you know, you've got a different focus for your website and and this may not be very useful. But if you're trying to talk to galleries or interest curators or collectors, it needs to be professional. So things that make it look unprofessional might be um, kind of non-standard typefaces, um, ones that look like signatures or handwriting. Sometimes people put a big uh, picture of their signature on the front page, something like that. It's, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't work for, for in the contemporary world. You, signatures are usually very subtle. Um, and um, the other thing people do sometimes is they talk a lot about themselves and their statement, their art statement, and they'll say things like, um, well, I love to garden and I have three children and I love to travel and la, 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 la. Now, if any of those things are important to the work, that's one thing. And, and mine does say that I travel because it is absolutely part of my work. Um, the fact that I have had two kids and I like to garden and have pets and all that is not important. 
to the art statement. But very often you see people writing in a kind of a just, I mean, I think it's meant to be friendly, kind of a friendly conversational way about themselves. And I totally understand why, but objectively, it's not what you want. You want it to be factual and uh, you can be passionate about your work. That's fine. And you can say whatever you want about your work, but it, it really should be focused on that and things that pertain to your work. If you can get other people other people to write for your website, you can pay people to do this, or maybe you have had a review or something, and that having other people say something about you on your website is also very professional. It looks really good. Right. Testimonials, essentially. Um, yeah, or maybe just a review, you know, um, where somebody took the time to, to think about your work and write about it. Right, right. Uh, what, it, what it's about, what it means to them, something like that. Um, the overuse of your first name, too, in, is another thing I noticed. So somebody might call their website something like, um, you know, Susan's Art. Well, Susan's Art. I mean, I kind of get that, but but we want to know Susan's last name. And it's just more professional to call it, you know, yourname.com or something, or yournameart.com. If you if you have a common name, you probably have to put something on the end, studio, artist, something, so that people find you. But, um, you know, those kind of, I know they're meant to be friendly and, and user-friendly kind of sounding, but I'm just, again, I'm talking from a perspective of, say, a gallery owner or something, and it doesn't look as good. Um. Another thing that bothers me on people's websites is they don't have enough contact information. And I know when I look at somebody's website, I wonder where they're from. I wonder if they're anywhere near me. If I like their work, could I go see it? Um, and I've seen so many websites where there's <laughs> there's no indication of where the person lives and you can look at their resume or whatever and say, well, they seem to have a lot of shows in California. I suppose they live in the Bay Area or something. But there's nothing. And I don't understand why that is. I think it's an oversight rather than any particular reason not to do that. The rest of the amount of con of um, contact info is, you know, that's up to you. I mean, you should have your email for sure or a contact uh, form, although I find email is more personal, seems better um, in terms of people who may want to get in touch with you. And, you know, you can have your phone number, you can have your address on there and be fairly confident that those things are in the public domain anyway. So <laughs> it's not really inviting harassment to do that. But basically, position yourself geographically. It's important. Somebody's curating a show about artists in Wisconsin. I want them to know I live in Wisconsin. And you know, that sort of thing. I'd, so anyway, it seems to be something that gets overlooked a lot. Well, and, and I'm going to go way out on a limb and say that, um, you know, your website, the most important function of your website is to um, increase people's awareness of you and produce sales. Mm -hmm. And um, in no way can, can being professional and having a very clean 
website hurt you. Exactly. Um, it can only help you. Yeah. And so I, there's, there's really no reason not to try to produce a website that looks professional. Um, and that, and that is, is going to, to try to, to produce sales. Yeah. No, I, I agree. That wasn't that far out on the list. <laughs> if I agree with you, then it's okay. <laughs> um, so aside from sufficient contact information, there's another informational category that I notice a lot of people don't really do enough with, and that is the basic information about the work of art. And so many times I've looked at a painting or whatever it is, and I think, well, what's the medium? How big is it? You know, uh, you is it on panel or paper or canvas? And you'd think those would be pretty, you know, common sense inclusions. But there are a lot of websites that don't include that information. So the standard information about your work is the medium and the size. Whether you put the date on there and group things by date is entirely up to you. And that's kind of another thing to think about. Um, whether you want to have any work on your website that's older if it relates to your current work, there's really no reason why not. But um, you don't have to put the date, in other words. But that at least the the, the information about the piece itself, its physical aspects. Um, and I think another thing I have to say is there are sometimes some pretty bad photos. And, you know, photography of artwork is getting so much easier than it used to be. And actually... You know, your newer iPhones really take good pictures and you can get a tripod that'll hold your iPhone and you can set up some studio lights and that's all I do and I get good photos and it's so important to, to make sure they're cropped correctly so there's nothing showing behind the painting, that it's straight and um, the color is as close as you can get it and it's not always easy. Yeah, and and I got a uh, a tripod and uh, a a little one of those I don't know what they're called the circle lights, mm -hmm. you know that yeah. that do like a nice even light, um yeah. and and it was a package on Amazon I think it was thirty bucks yeah you can you afford know. a light a good light yeah and and that little package I mean I use that to take product photos I do a little bit of just like enhancing and color correcting in mm -hmm. a free program called. Uh, GIMP, uh, it's G-I-M-P. Oh, yeah. I've used that too. Um, and it's and it's a lot like Photoshop. It's free. You can just grab it, put it on whatever you know mm -hmm. PC you have, and yeah. you can do some really really high quality photography with your phone and thirty dollars worth of equipment. Yeah, and and you do want if people zoom in on your work, you do want pretty good focus, um, especially if you do have detail work or right. highly textured or anything. And, and if you're a professional photographer, you can produce higher quality photos with a DSLR camera and, you know, a, a setup that you're going to spend a couple thousand dollars on. But if you're not a photography professional, you can get real close with, with, you know, under a hundred dollars with well, under and, $50 worth and of And the equipment. fact is that's what most everybody's doing. Right. So you're not out of line to be using your iPhone. I don't think, I mean, somebody may want to correct me, but I think a lot of people are doing that now and, or their, or their other, you know, Samsung, whatever phone you have, if it has a good camera, no reason not to use it. And, you know, take advantage of our, our wonderful technology. Right. So, so those are a bunch of things that, you know, kind of, give me pause when I look at websites and usually I'm tactful, but I'll say, do you want some feedback? <laughs> <laughs> and there's just, there's kind of a, if there's a general tendency to emphasize 
your personality or your friendliness or photos of you with your puppy and or glam photos like I've seen those of people really like looking really glamorous posed in front of their paintings holding a palette or something right you know, right it's like what um just be real and be but but not overly overly sharing i guess <laughs> in general people are looking at their website at your website because they're interested in your work exactly not you although i will say i mean personally when i go to a website i do like to see a photo of the artist now right i don't know why but it makes me feel more connected to them there there is a certain amount of your personality being what sells your work mm-hmm. um but what the what your your customer is really interested in is how does this affect my life you know and they want to have that connection with you mm-hmm. on some level but really they're interested in like how is this painting going to look in my home you know <laughs> where can i buy it where can i learn well, more about it you know i have to say lots of people look at artist websites not to purchase they look because they're interested in your work because they're other artists yes, for one yes. Thing, or they're researching something or they're curating. but in that case they're still they're interested in your work they want to yeah. hear about your work maybe right. they're more interested in your process right you know uh they're probably not all that interested in your choice of dog or <laughs> right. uh what kind of car you drive or right, where right. you go on vacation Right, and that's all the stuff for social media. Yeah. I think I think a few photos I think at least one photo on your about page that shows you maybe in your studio or just something that relates to your work. So people say, "Yeah, that's a human being," you know. Um that helps. But you know, in general being careful not to be overly personal and tracking people away from looking at your work. So all right. Well, I think we're at kind of a little breaking point here. We're we're going to actually do this as a two-part episode. Good. Um, so I, I want to let people know before they go, uh, tune back in next week. We're going to talk more about how to build this website up. Right. Um, we've talked a lot about kind of what's wrong with your right. website. Right. We're going to tell you what's right. We're going to tell you. We're going to tell you how to fix it. Um, so come back next week. Uh, before we go, uh, I do want to let everybody know that we just launched the Messy Studio website. It is Messy Studio Podcast.com. So go and check out the new website. Um, there's going to be a merch store there. Um, there's a donate button. Coffee mugs. Right. Right. The big thing Aprons. I want to, the big thing I want to <laughs> let people know about this week though, um, is that there's going to be a button there that you can press uh, to sign up for Wix, which is a, a really fantastic website builder. It's what we use to build uh, the, the Messy Studio website. Um, and uh, it's a really, really easy platform. Uh, they have templates specifically designed for artists. They have, um, they call it artificial design intelligence. It's going to help you build that website. Mm. Um, so if you're nervous about dealing with the nuts and bolts of website building, that's going to be a really good option for you. And uh, you're going to be helping Helping out the Messy Studio podcast. Yes. All right. That's that's a good plug. <laughs> and and also notice that there's a <laughs> there's a donate button now, <laughs> which we'll get into that some other time. Perhaps. Right. But, but donate and subscribe buttons now on the website. We this is we didn't have this before, so right. This is a big step. We're happy. <laughs> We're taking our own advice to have a website, have not just a, a website. Facebook page. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com, as well as www.rebeccacroll.com, and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. 
please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.